Chris Armas is out after just 11 games, regular season games in charge. A single victory during that time, Toronto FC have let go of their head coach, which of course brings up plenty of questions for us to ponder on this week's edition of Waking the Red Week. We presented by Footy Talks. Where does the club go from here? Is the season still salvageable? And so, so many more. My name is Mitchell Tierney and helping me to work through all of this this week, it's Jeffrey Pinesker. Michael Singh will join us a little bit later. He's in the the presser right now trying to get all of the latest on on all things Toronto FC club in crisis but Jeff um I mean we knew we were going to get or we we figured we would probably get to this at some point but yeah it's finally here Chris Armis out how are you feeling I'm pondering how jealous I am of your haircut actually it's <laughs> uh it's pretty fantastic and uh, I need one desperately so uh We'll start there. Um, I missed a lot of questions. We're starting a conversation with haircuts. (laughs) That's a shot on the way out. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was unnecessary. (laughs) I didn't even realize I was doing that, but uh, all right. All right. Let's go there. Um, How do I feel? I mean, I don't like seeing anybody lose their job. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I, uh, I, I think it was a foregone conclusion, but uh, I, I, you know, how do I feel? I've been I've been dealing with a whole lot of revisionist history uh, over over the last couple of days, um, you know, with respect to like you know uh, how Greg Vanny was was an un, unimpeachable you know genius that that had no, that was infallible, and uh, and certainly that you know people were um, were trying to revise the 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 Arma situation in that it was all bad and that we should have known better and and I think that ignores the fact that. You know, when he came in, despite our our, our pervasive underwhelmingness, uh, he said some of the right things. I, I know in the first couple of press conferences, I got damned excited. I mean, the the idea of of an attacking, fluid, uh, you know, uh, uh, aggressive. I don't want to say high press, but here it comes, high press uh, style of football seemed exciting. You know, putting putting Bradders in a in a situation where he was, uh, you know, we were going to turn back the clock 10 years, seemed exciting. Uh, uh, so, you know, it, it's so easy to, 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 pit, to piss on his grave. Um, and I don't want to do that. Uh, you know, nobody, I'm sure he's devastated. Um, you know, uh, there's, no, there's no amount of payout on his contract uh, that is going to lessen the, the burden. Um, you know, and, and there's a lot of, you know... Th- th- there's a lot of things that, that were stacked against him right from the get go. Um, you know, let's not even talk about the the concrete stuff, like the, like a roster and all that stuff. Let's talk, let's talk about the, the usual excuses, right? Like this is the only coach in the history of our club to have an entire tenure where they've never set foot in a game at our home stadium. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, that sucks. Um, and that can't be ignored. Uh, you know, I don't like seeing anybody get fired. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't like the idea that, uh, you know, he'll be judged against this in the same way that he was judged against his performance at Red Bull. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not necessarily fair. Um, and, you know, what's the argument? He shouldn't have taken the job in the first place. That's asking a, a head coach to not have ambition, right? Of course, he's going to yeah. take that job. And of course, he's going to think he can, he can, he can write the ship. And of course, he's going to want to see his system at play. Um, so, I mean, you know, I'm glad he's gone. 
uh, but I'm certainly not going to do backflips uh, over over someone's misery, right? Like that, you know, the, the argument that that a big club wouldn't make a hire like that is 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 not. I it, it doesn't wash, right? A big club does make hires like that. A big club does put their chips on the table and 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 make the risky hires, right? I mean. Look, I, I've never vouched for this before in my life. You know, when, when Laurent Blanc and, and Vieira were up for this gig, I was I was maybe the only person saying that's maybe a terrible idea because they don't understand uh, MLS rules. And, you know, especially, Blanc, yeah. especially somebody like Laurent Blanc is going to come in and say, well, why can't I get Antoine Griezmann? And we'll be like, well, that's our whole salary cap. Like, who, <laughs> are you going to play the other 11 position? Um <laughs> But now I think that that's absolutely what we need to do. Mm-hmm. I, I like I think because warts and all, I, I actually think that that's absolutely what we need to do. If anything, this has proven to us that um, you know maybe Ali is better off behind the scenes with his notebook, making the deals and, and dealing with the maths and stuff like that, and he shouldn't have that much of a hand in 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 running the team and and, and the day to day operations. Um, certainly I'd like to see the pendulum shift. I mean, I'd love to see a Euro guy that, that is going to have those growing pains, you know, maybe not where's Anton Griezmann and why can't I hire him, but, but lower down on the, on the food chain possibly and see how we deal with that. Because I think that, that, you know, if we're really going to find out, we've been given a bit of a gift, Mitch, uh, mm-hmm. you know, cause we were prepared to watch this whole season go, go, you know, uh, absolutely pear shaped. Right. Um, and now that we don't have to do that, we've been given an opportunity. So let's shake, let's shake down all the trees, right? Let's, let's open up the floodgates here. Um, I really like this. I, I mean, Mike's here. So why don't we bring him yeah, on? Bring him in. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I mean, I'm just ranting here and I really want to hear what, what Mike, what Mike's <laughs> bringing us. Did he also get a haircut? What is going on Looks here? Like you guys? Yeah. Um, I just, I, I want to see. What what happened? Wait, are you are you? He, he also doesn't have sound. I don't think. Yeah, so. he has no That's sound. my bad. That's my bad. What's on. going on, fellas? Oh, there, there we go. I was yeah, gonna yeah, tell yeah. you. I, I got my girlfriend to cut my hair. Nice. Guys, nice. Is any of your significant others? Right <laughs> yeah, girlfriend and getting a haircut. Let's go. Um, <laughs> yeah, is yeah. Any of your significant others like trying to cut your hair? Have you guys gone through that during the pandemic at all? I've asked many, many times. It's never going to happen because she knows that I'll just like, if there's one out of place, I'll, I'll make her, I'll, I'll just, I won't let it go. I might have to switch over. I'm going to get her to, you know, quit her full-time looks, job and just open up looks, the industry, man. It's, it's not too sick, bad, man. eh? It's not no, too it's bad. Pretty, yeah, it's not too bad. It's pretty sick. I said, I Jack, mean... Jack Grillis going long at the top, low on the side. So I'm like, yo, <laughs> give me that. Let's do it. <laughs> so you actually sat down with a picture like at the hairdresser, like, do this, please. Like, you know, what what kind of cut do you want? And you walk in and you're like, this one. Um, Richard's yeah, like, yes, us- I have. We're still together, but it was close. <laughs> 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 I like it. So yeah, what are you guys yeah. talking about? Did I miss anything? Anything important no, to talk about of, today? Or? Yeah, we're sort of setting the no? setting the table for you to come in with the uh, with the scoops. You just sat through the, the uh, press conference. Yeah, give us give us the scoops. Um. Well, I guess first, let's guess let's start off with the obvious, and that's the the Chris Armas firing. And mm-hmm. um, I just want to preface this by saying, you never ever 
ever, no matter what industry that we're in, hope that a man loses their job. So, like, I'm thinking about in this time, I'm not just thinking about Chris Armas. I'm thinking about his wife. I'm thinking about his two kids. Like, that's that's tough. I also want to say, and as Michael Bradley said in the press conference, this is a man who really had no chance from, like, the get-go. He never got to coach a game at BMO Field. He, I don't even know if he stepped foot in BMO Field, to be honest with you. He never had a game in front of home fans. And a lot of those mistakes may not come down to just the head coach. There's a chance here that he wasn't set up for absolute success. But in this industry, the reality is, when you don't have the success, and as Ali Curtis mentioned, I think three, four times during that press conference, this is a results-oriented business. Toronto FC are on pace for their worst season in MLS history in Major League Soccer history. They're they have five points from eleven matches. They're dead last in the in the MLS power rankings, despite <laughs> having arguably the highest payroll in the league. Something, as Chris Armis said, something had to give, and unfortunately, it was Chris Armis that had to give. Mm-hmm. And now. As we look forward, Bill Manning, Ali Curtis, they don't have a shield anymore. At this yeah. point now, the buck stops with Bill Manning and Ali Curtis, and specifically Ali Curtis, mm-hmm. because as Joshua Cloak's reporting in The Athletic, this is a guy who kind of stuck his neck out for Chris Armis from the beginning even though some within the TFC organization didn't necessarily feel like he was the guy to move this team forward. So unfortunately, despite all of the positive... People, Josie Altidore? (laughs) 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 Sorry, I have to give that. (laughs) No, no worries. And despite all of the positive momentum that this team has made moving forward the past five, six years, it feels like we've taken an enormous step backwards and lost a lot of that positive momentum. This is no longer a team that's perceived around Major League Soccer as one of the perennial contenders, as one of the juggernauts of Major League Soccer. And it goes to show just how quickly a decline like that can happen. It's Mm -hmm. unfortunate. It's sad that Chris Armas is the one that had to make way here. But when you lose your entire team like we saw on Saturday, Mm -hmm. like we saw the last Saturday when it's not just one or two players that are making silly mistakes, when it's the whole team that seems to have lost motivation and fight and desire to go out there and battle for your coach, to run through a wall for your coach, then that's when you know like you've got to make a change. When Ralph Priesto's out there looking like he's lost his confidence, when Richie Larea's out there looking like he's lost his confidence, when Chris Mavinga, who's arguably your best defender, is out there putting forth some of the weakest tackles I've ever seen, you know something's got to give. And unfortunately, once again, that was Chris Armas. Yeah, go ahead, Jeff. I mean, I'm going to circle around this a lot today. You know, and I'm, this is, we keep removing COVID. And it's so funny how far I've turned, I've done a complete 180 on this because I'm, I'm constantly bringing it up now. But like, 
yes, in normal times, Ali Curtis sticking his neck out for Armas has a a very different value than under the pressure of playing away at home at COVID, right? In, in under that lens and that context, it becomes a lot less of like a big dick, you know. Uh, uh, let's let's get the band, the New York Red Bulls band, back together, and more reactionary. Like, who are we going to get? We need someone in that seat. You know, I know this guy personally. Uh, the changeover is going to be a lot easier, right? Like, it 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 becomes much more of a desperation move than a I'm going to stubbornly I, I just feel like people are viewing you know Curtis sticking his neck out in, in a before times context like we're playing at BMO all things are equal you know I want my guy come hell or high water and I, I don't think that's the case I think it was a panic move more than anything else he's around he's willing to do it he's not going to cause a lot of trouble um, and I think that's all I'll say on that I just I don't like the revisionist history it seems in, in every aspect we're very, very quick now to forget about all the all the detriments and all the things that were stacked against him. And then circling back, I have a huge problem with Michael Bradley coming out and saying that today. Huge. And and this is a knee jerk thing, but but you know, help. Let me work it out uh, uh, live <laughs> in this context. I have oh, a huge problem. With, I have a huge problem with this. I mean, I mean, last week they were they brought him out. Uh, as a defense mechanism, and now this week they're bringing him out as a, as the mea culpa mechanism. You know, like, well, he never really had a chance. Um, he, did did that need to be said? I mean, did we really need that announced at a press conference? Like, you know, it it, it just it it feels Again. awkward and suspect. Anyway, go ahead. Like Bradley's a loyal guy. Armis was, you know, Armis has been his friend. That was the story coming in. You know, Armis has been a mentor for him, had had been someone very important in his life. So he's never going to throw Armis under the bus in any sort and, of way. And, so nor, and nor should he. Nor should he. That's a good servant to the club. But then mm -hmm. after Sunday, he comes out with the club's blessing and says, you know what? Actually, like he was just warming a seat and, and we were all we were all well aware that he was a useless automaton. Like that I don't, it doesn't wash. And, and, you know, if that was the attitude, then how can we not be mad that they hire? Like, I mean, if they're trying to, if they're trying, how well, so let me, let me explain why mm -hmm. he said it again. Okay. He essentially prefaced it with the last 18 months, how hard it's been for the team with all of the different factors with COVID and whatnot. He's saying let essentially me, let me because of that. Let me interrupt. Because because he's the he's the guy that interrupted you and said those aren't excuses. So I wholeheartedly he agree. Start, I thought of that. Not only does he start his his thing by saying, you know, that stuff that I wasn't going to talk about, I'm going to talk about, but then I'm going to double down and say that my buddy, like there was, there's no point in saying it. The guy, the man is gone. Like you don't you don't need to scrub. You don't you don't you know what I mean. You don't need to start burning all the cardboard cutouts of him in effigy, right? Like mm -hmm. he's gone. He's done. I mean, it, it's it's of course it didn't work out. So why do we need? our club captain now coming out and trying to sugarcoat it. Like, I think the whole point of damage control is to not make more damage. And it feels like that's what just happened. So once again, I'm, I'm befuddled. Like it was, a, it was a meaningless statement. It didn't need to be said. It gave, it gave us no confidence and it actually kind of angers me because the suggestion that everybody knew that they were doomed and did nothing because this or because that, which are the excuses that they're not supposed to be, resting on i mean what are we doing here right like it, it just it's 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 a weirdo feedback loop 
I don't know. It just it feels like a feedback loop to me. There, there, you can get up and say a million other things. You can you can give me the platitudes about how our new coach has a website where like he lists every tactic as his tactics, and that's wonderful. I I love new coach, and let's see what he's got to do. But to just to just throw tinder on the fire of 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 Chris Armis not being the guy, we know that already. I don't. I I didn't see any value in that. Well, yeah. I mean, essentially, you're saying like the onus is on the players, and they they essentially let Chris Armis down, right? Okay. So that's why I mean, in combination with the very, like multitude of factors of him dealing with playing away from home in Florida, you know, we don't have to go over them all again. Everyone knows what they are. The reality is, is that he's saying him and his, he as a captain did not do a good enough job. He's saying the players on the field did not do a good good enough job, and Chris ultimately pays pays the price. So I, I wouldn't dwell too much on that quote. I mean, what is he going to say? He's buddies with Chris Armis. You know, Chris Armis was kind of, as we can, I think we can all agree that Chris Armis was sort of given, I don't want to say unfair run, but like he's dealt a, a poor hand, let's mm -hmm. say. I mean, you can, you can, yeah. I mean, I, I think he was dealt a poor hand is perfect. Perfect. He was dealt a very poor hand, right? Because mm -hmm. not only did he play away from home, I mean, he did never had two designated players starting in his lineup, I believe. And that's that's such a good point because the people that say that we're the highest uh, paid roster, I mean, you take out our DPs and we're absolutely not, right? So we were seeing what that roster was worth on the field. We right? still have a very team. strong roster behind our DPs. Absolutely. So I absolutely, still believe that we should have been better than, than the what we are. With, without question, but to, but to equate the highest roster as in all three DPs on the field – with our results is a false positive. And I think right? Bill Manning and Ali Curtis kind of hit the nail on the head uh, in the press conference. It's just like, it wasn't necessarily the fact that we weren't winning anymore. It was the fashion which we weren't winning. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. we talked about it before those games, a game against Nashville, a game against DC United, a game against Cincinnati. Those are nine points you have to take if you're Toronto FC, you have to. Like this yeah. is a team that ran circles around each one of those clubs last season. Mm-hmm. Aside from Nashville in the playoffs, of course, but even <laughs> even then, like they did, One they played nothing. well. Yeah, exactly. It's not they played well during that yeah. game, and like you know, obviously they yeah. couldn't come away with the result. But it's it's you know, it's a change needs to happen. Of course, we were all calling for it. You know, everyone on TFC Live is calling for it. Media members were calling for it. Chris yeah. Armas himself was even calling for a change yeah, to happen. Yeah, yeah, right. He, was, he knew he knew his number. Was so like, online. yeah, and when it happened, like Chris Armas understood, as Bill Manning, Alec Curtis said, like everyone gets the situation it's just unfortunate now and like i said the shield's out of the way now real mm -hmm. questions are going to be asked is it questions about the roster is it questions about their play style is it questions about you know is is the fact that they're going to be playing exploria or i guess maybe they won't be playing exploria yeah, anymore yeah i think they're um, exploria yeah but you know they they are going to be they're going to have to look deep and hard at this team if if things don't get turned around because the problems may lie beyond the coach right Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. they most certainly do, and, and we're finding that. But I do think it's a good point of, you know, th this was a tougher hire to make because I do think they thought that Greg Vanny was going to be back, and then all of a sudden he wasn't. So that does make Panic it difficult. Stations, exactly. But exactly. bringing in a new Hold buyer. on. But when they were doing this search, they told us that it was a very extensive search. They told us they've interviewed candidates uh, in internally, externally. We what heard are, names that were being linked with them. Mike? We heard yes, names. Right? That, well, I know for a fact they interviewed a, like a couple of different candidates, and Stephen they Caldwell, gave, them, gave them a couple they, of they, different. Yeah, Steve, Stephen Caldwell. Of different looks. They, 
they threw a DM at, at Vieira, right? Maybe Laurent Blanc <laughs> had a had a couple interviews, but I mean, again, Steve, you know, Steve Cherandolo, Dolo, that's another one. Okay, Steve okay, Trondolo, there you yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there's ben also Olsen, right. I'm like, sure. I'm sure Jason Bent was given a look as well. I sure, hope so, Jason anyway. Bent. Ben yeah, Olsen, and also uh, like there, there are names. I'm like, this isn't just Chris Armas. He's the only guy we can get. Let's go. Like, no, no, no. no, no but giving no, him no, an I'm excuse. Not, yeah, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying I'm saying this was a difficult hire, and I do think that was part Agreed. of it was the fact that they that one they expected this coach to be back, so um, it wasn't fully in their plans again for the off season. We know, you know, they are plan ahead type of people. Secondly you're filling the shoes of one of the better coaches in recent MLS history, which is never, ever going to be easy as well. Exactly. They have, they have no excuses for this next hire though. I think they should take as long as they can to really, really make sure yep. the replacement is right. Like obviously, you know, by next season, they need to have someone in place yeah, yeah. who's new, but it's not like they have to make a desperation hire right now, but this, this is the one that really shows you, I think what, um, you know, the management style of Curtis and, and Manning because they absolutely can't get this one wrong. It has to be it has to be the right hire and it has to be a, a hire that moves this club forward. So I, I really see, think uh this mm-hmm. is yeah. this is a critical I, I one agree. and this will show their true colors. I agree mm-hmm. with everything that you said there, Mitch. Like obviously it was a very difficult hire. They weren't expecting Greg Vanny to leave in the fashion that he left. Mm-hmm. That being said, like it's the off season. They had three months to take their time, make the hire how much more, like, how long do you want them to take to make this hire to ensure they get it right, right? Again, like, no in-person I, I interviews, think that's... right? No no in-person interviews unless they do 14 days quarantine on either side, right? Uh, uh, I mean, all of, the, all of the COVID things, right? Like, uh, I don't see any logical, you know, regard, results aside, I don't, Ali sticking his neck out, that's what I want. I mean, he has an re- existing relationship with this guy. It didn't work out. And and mm-hmm. there's a very good argument to be made that it was never going to work out. You know, Michael Bradley just made it. But uh, I don't fault Ali Curtis one bit for going for what he knows in the face of all of that unknown. Right? So it I'm not yet. Rest. That, absolutely. Yeah. Not saying that like mm-hmm. what Ali Curtis did was wrong per se. Mm-hmm. But in hindsight, now that we're looking back on it, like he got the decision wrong. It was a swing oh, yeah. and miss by Ali Curtis. Without, there were other question. candidates that were viable for this position, and clearly, the decision that they made was not the right decision, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think we should sugarcoat it by saying like you know this was a, t- a tough hire to make, and you know maybe there there's reasons why they didn't get this hire right. To be honest, I think we should call a spade a spade and just be like they messed up here. I, I mean, there's that's a fair point, uh, but I always I'm, I'm going to be the guy that continuously champions, you know, in this case, the devil, you know. Right. And they and they took a flyer. I mean, they took a risk. A, a big club takes a risk. They took a risk. It didn't work out. They corrected. The, the, it was a risk court. that was like that the TFC fan base got on that risk from the get go. Like as well, soon as TFC- Armis was was hired, they were like, no, 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 no. Because and when I first heard his they, name, they, I was Marino. like, no. <laughs> because they wanted Marino or, or Pep. I mean, like, each one of those shouts, we need to get the proper To be fair, we, we understand why TFC fans were, were kind of hoping for a big name. Because right. that's what the club came out and said that they wanted. They said, we're a big club. We, we need to go get a guy who's in line with that, who understands mm-hmm. that. I, Yeah, to me, that just, if he date back from the beginning, like, Yes, I believe Chris Armas deserved a fair chance once he got hmm. the job. 
but I still, I mean, obviously, clearly, he wasn't the right guy for this position right yeah, now. Yeah, Ivan, Ivan, I don't, I don't think we're debating. Uh, I and I, I, I think that's an interesting question. Do you think Curtis owned it, or do you think he? I mean, he, regardless of whether he, he physically or, or or said he owned it, he's in the hot seat now. I mean, the well, next, he verbatim the next, said, yeah. like a lot of the the he bears a lot of the blame, right? Mm-hmm. Like he, he literally said that word for word. So I Amazing. mean, how much more can you own that? Exactly. Exactly. You can't really. So, so yeah, he owned it. Um, you know, uh, what was the other one? Who, who would you, what are, what are names you'd like to see? I mean, I made this shout out on Twitter and I don't, I'm not saying he should be the next TFC head coach permanently, but this is a team that's going to be looking for an interim manager by June, by July 17th. Um, and I believe Stephen Caldwell would be a good fit for interim manager for this team. This is a guy who Canadian players absolutely love. Like he is the assistant coach for the Canadian men's national team. I believe he, he's in line. He's in charge of like getting that defense together. I believe that's Mm -hmm. what his role is. is. And Mm -hmm. I believe he would actually be a good, he's a club captain. He's more in tune with this, this club than anybody else out there like he watches every match he he was close well, he, in, <laughs> he was close in the winter uh for you know getting this position josh cloak reporting that he actually interviewed twice for the role yeah. um, but the club felt at the time like he didn't have the necessary experience and for me at this point unless javier perez goes out there on wednesday and does an absolutely fantastic job yeah what do you have to lose by giving someone like stephen caldwell a, a shot here at interim he has a lot to lose. I mean, he would have to quit what ten of his four thousand jobs, and he would not get them back. <laughs> he he would yeah. get. He would want yeah, that. You in- do, do it in a second. For he'd sure. want okay. that interim tag, yeah, too. Okay. He would accept okay. the interim tag too, right? Okay. And yeah, Colin. Like, yes, he he's absolutely cool. He does have his badges. He's like I said, the assistant coach for the Canadian men's national team. Um, and you know, this could be the, the next step up as you know, taking on that interim tag. I the mean, if we're going to raid, if we're going to raid the Can Men's National Team, I want Moro Bello, but that's uh, <laughs> that's besides the point. Yeah, that's that's not a bad shout either. But the other name I'd look to in the interim would be Toronto FC two head coach Mikey Munoz, who mm-hmm. I think has done a really solid job with with TFC two. And I think in terms of you know the familiarity with some of those young guys and and coming in um, as a as an interim at least, you know, I I certainly wouldn't yet advocate for him becoming the the head coach but i do think he'd be a he'd be a good interim coach mm-hmm. i got an idea hear me out zizu he's <laughs> available <laughs> yeah yeah just drop a bag of money at, at zinedine zidane's house but mikey let's uh let's hear a little bit about javier perez you guys would have talked to him during that press conference of course oh, he's yeah. going to at least be the head coach on the bench for the game against new england on wednesday i mean a pretty difficult start for him he's going up against the best team in the eastern conference so he's getting thrown to you know the wolves right away but um at least a decent resume you know he spent time with new york city fc as an assistant uh, spent time with the u.s youth national team started out with Real Madrid's academy speaking of the Zizou connection there but uh what did you learn from him and and what potentially we might be seeing different from Toronto FC tomorrow yeah it's a good shout um Javier Perez I guess my first impressions of him is this is a guy who at least comes off as someone who really understands the game and someone who really studies the game I think he's kind of a bit of a polar opposite of Chris Armas in the sense that 
when Chris Armas spoke to media, he really spoke about some of the intangibles. He spoke about like high intensity, bringing a lot of energy to the side. Like he wanted to really in- motivate as a coach, inject um, something within the side that he believed you know maybe they could play already, but he wanted to take them to the next level. Javier Perez, to me, comes off as a little bit more of a tactician. One thing I really liked what he mentioned was that he loves that he is, um, he loves that he he spends time studying oppositions. He spends a lot of time doing that, and you guys mentioned the website that he has where he breaks everything Fantastic. down t- tactically. Yeah. All tactics. Uh, there's not one left unturned. It's like a, it was like so a, he mm-hmm. spends time studying oppositions, and he spends time figuring out ways to exploit that. And that's something that is kind of a different, um, how do I say, a different sort of mentality than what Chris Armas was offering. Because Chris Armas was, every time he spoke, he he spoke in sort of a as a motivator, as opposed to a tactician. And I think, you know, I, I, I don't want to make the comparison to Vanny, but that's, Vanny was like the opposite. Vanny was more of a tactician than a motivator. And someone on TFC told me this about Armas, is that he's the type of guy that, like, you can talk to about anything. He's more of your best friend. But Greg, Greg just knew the game. It wasn't really about the relationships that Greg had with his players. It was more so about the understanding of the game that Greg possessed. And I think that's what sort of Javier Perez kind of uh, kind of brings to the side. So I'm interested to see what sort of what type of team this TFC team looks like. Perez is saying that this is a team that needed a change, needed a shakeup. So I'm interested. Yep. <laughs> You, you mentioned relationships with players, which I think brings us to another yeah, thing I'm... that is coming out of all of this, <laughs> mm. which is uh, Josie Altador. I think multiple times on the show we've mentioned that we don't think he'll ever suit up for Toronto FC again, but that does seem like it might be changing a little bit. Toronto FC are meeting with his representatives this week to talk um, about his situation and whether or not he will be willing to return to the club, um, you know, the, the good news that they mentioned as well is after tonight or after tomorrow's game, they have until the 17th, I believe that is their next game. So they have a bit of a gold cup break here, um, which is an opportunity for them to, you know, work through this situation. L- learning what we have so far, do we think we, we might actually see Josie Alzador back and, and are the, the winds kind of changing a little bit in terms of that situation? So based off what Michael Bradley was saying today, and this was really interesting. This actually caught me a little bit off guard. Mm. Essentially, what he was saying is he was asked about Josie Abdor. And he was like, I can't really give you an answer on that. Because he doesn't know. You guys got me still? Yep. Yeesh, a little bit. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, as I was saying, like Michael Bradley was asked about Josie Abdor. And he said he couldn't really give us an answer yet because, like us, He's been kept in the dark about the whole situation. Yes, he's good friends with Josie Alterer, but to be honest, he this is what he was saying. To be honest, Josie Alterer hasn't been with the team, so he no actually doesn't. Yeah. So we actually, he actually doesn't know what's going on right now with Josie Alterer. And you know, he reiterated what he told me a couple of weeks ago, and that was just like Josie Alterer's a legend. He hopes that the best could 
happen for Josie and his family as well as the best could happen for the club. And there's a resolution there. So, I mean, based on what Michael Bradley's saying, like there's still question marks. Again, Javier Perez was asked about it, pressed about it. And he just said he's focused on Wednesday. And after Wednesday, management will make a decision. But I'm getting the sense here, and I've spoken to a couple people about this, and I'm getting the sense here that Josie Altador and TFC are heading towards a reunion. Ali Curtis, in, in his press conference, they left the door open, uh, really, for a Josie reunion. Ali Curtis said, you know, mentioning stay tuned there. Um, he said he had some good conversations with Josie in his representation the, earlier this week. And by all accounts, from my understanding, is that this is heading towards a reunion. Wow. And there's there's a real chance here that Josie Altador has not or has not played his last game from Toronto FC. So stay tuned for that, as Ali Curtis says. <laughs> wow. What a season, boys. Wow. <laughs> well mean... Yeah. I mean, speaking <laughs> of the season, I think I think this gets us to our potentially critical question of the show, which is the season. Can it be saved? I mean there's 11 matches Toronto FC have played so far. They're 11 points out of the playoffs right now in an increasingly competitive Eastern Conference. I think a surprisingly competitive Eastern Conference with what some of the the bubble clubs have shown this year. Um, I mean, the, the stats aren't good. Let's be honest. Most goals against in the Eastern Conference. Most expected goals against. Um, another good stat from Martin this week. Uh, our good buddy Martin Bailey. Um, mm. Toronto FC conceded. Good stat. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a, it's a it is a good stat. It's a stat. It's, it's not a, stat, a, it's not a nice yeah. stat. No, um, exactly. Toronto allowed 27 goals so far this season. They only allowed 26 all of last year. So therein lies the main problem um, of the season so far. Do we think they can turn it around? And and do we think you know again? There's not there's not much statistical indication, but is is there a chance that they can? They can, you know, turn things around and, and get back into that playoff push. Nice. Um, I mean, there's a chance. 20, <laughs> 23 games left, 69 mm-hmm. points. They're playing against a lot of Eastern Conference teams. Right now, they sit 11 points out. Like... As Michael Bradley said, if this team gets back to playing the way that it can, the way that it has in the past, mm-hmm. we see them roll off four, five, six straight victories or even results, get points, pick up points in them, they're right back in the mix. Like This isn't last season where it's a shortened season. This is a long 34-game MLS season. They're only 11 games in. They're not even 33%, a third of the way into the season. So is this season salvageable? Yes, it absolutely is. Like, there's no reason why uh, they they technically you know can't go on a run here. It's just it comes down to, at the end of the day to to results and picking up points. And would I bet that TFC would would turn things around in, in a heartbeat? That's tough. Like, I yeah. mean, it, it, based on the way they're playing this season, no. If it was just Chris Armas, that was sort of the issue. Or if this team gets a spark out of their new coach, who's to say that this team cannot go on there and make a run? I've been on the record, and I'm saying, and I still believe this. I, I actually still believe this. TFC may have the best roster in MLS on paper. Mm-hmm. If all of, their, all of their players are healthy, all of their guys are in the side, 
um, Wednesday's matchup should be the first time we see both Soteldo and Pozuelo start a game for Toronto FC. How much of a difference is that going to make? Like, Pozuelo has only started, I believe, one game this season. My God. Is that not nuts? That's the MVP. That's the guy who your whole team revolves around. We saw how important he is to this team. This is a side that went down, what, like, I don't know, 3-1 before Pozuelo came on, 4-1 before Mm -hmm. Pozuelo came on? Mm -hmm. So now that he's going to be starting in the game, how much of a difference can he make? Can Pozuelo stay healthy? Can Soteldo stay healthy? You get both those guys back. Iowa Canola looks like he's back in form. If they can figure out what the heck is going on defensively, then yeah, I believe the season is salvageable. This is a team that went 16-5-5 last season. 16 Mm -hmm. wins. Yeah. It's yeah. it's not out of the question. It's not out of the question, but I, I, I do think the that thinking about it and I, I don't know, I'm not an athlete. <laughs> surprise, surprise. But I mean <laughs> what what do you do in the in the locker room, right? Do you do you do you do you go do you say baby steps like let's fix our leaky defense uh and you know where let the chips fall where they may, or do you or are you always with your foot on the accelerator? Are you always that mindless self-belief, you know, we're going to win MLS Cup this year? I mean, part, I, I think these, the, that B is the answer always. Uh, but objectively... I think, so- I think it's A. Like, I think you got to take this, you know, a game at a time, two games at a yeah, time, three games 100%. at a time, okay. right? Like, okay. at the end of the so day... No, like- mention, no mention of playoffs whatsoever. Just, we are here on, you know, New England is our is our target. Let's get the result. And if we don't get the result, let's at least not look like like you know Timbits out there and call that a win, and then onward and upward sort of thing. Yeah, yeah you I know, have that, a foundation to build off. Yeah, go ahead, Mitch. I think that's the exact mentality they have to take in the next little bit because you know if you start to look long term, I mean, you're going to have to look in the back as well and see how you know mm-hmm. the, the long term does not look great right now. So nope. you focus on. You know, what can we do over the next couple of days? Let's pick up a result going into a nice long break for us. We'll have this long break to to try and figure some stuff out and see how we can uh, come out the other side when we play Orlando for the 117th time this season on the 17th. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I think they go from there. But uh, I, I do think with the new coach, and, I, and I, I actually agree with Mike, I think if they don't have the best roster in MLS, they've got one of the best rosters. We're going to find out whether or not they have a good team over the next little bit. I do think there is a difference in terms of, yeah. you know, the composition of egos, the, the, the makeup of how different players complement each other. And again, mm-hmm. that comes back to, to Ali Curtis, because, you know, it's not about building a good roster. It's about building a good team that a coach, uh, any coach can come in and, and do something with. And uh, yeah, Jeff. What happens <laughs> to the young guns now? What happens to the presos? What happens to the, to the Leon four who, Oh my God, he, uh, <laughs> he hated Sorry, my keep question going, keep so going. much. Uh, what what happens to the what happens to those guys? Right, they saw some success under Armas, you know, and now they have to fight for their place in a in a sort of ephemeral wonderland where where maybe we're not playing the same kind of aggressive football. I mean, maybe they got to be thinking: Are we going back to the Vanny years where you know the ceiling is maybe a couple games at TFC two and nothing else? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's it's a it's a fair shout. It's a fair question, and I think that's something the new coach. It's a challenge that they're going to have to deal with. We're talking about some of the young guns, Mitch, and, yeah, like and the, especially the yeah. 
essentially what's yeah. going to happen with them now. And the reality is, Jeff, like we don't have the answers to that. No, no, no like, exactly. Exactly. At the next, yeah. the next coach, you know, hopefully they have the answers to that, and I'm, and I'm sure their stance on them hasn't changed from the what it was at the beginning of the season. Is that they these guys are very important players to this team. Um, they're very important to the future of this club. Okay. They're very important to the business side of this club. Um, if you want to talk about recruiting players, yeah. you know, you want to talk about making some some moolah, some money. Like these are these are the ways that you do it, right? Is investing mm-hmm. your academy and try and transition them to the first team. Now, here's here's where it gets really interesting. So, one of the knocks with with TFC this season, and you know, I think Bill Bill Manning, Ali Curtis, they kind of admitted this in the press conference, is that the roster that's currently in place was not in tune with playing Chris Arms' style of play. And we saw that so many times. Like, Omar and Gonzalez playing a high line? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, come on. So that was just... No, Michael Bradley trying to be the guy who just presses up and down the field. This is my favorite, because to do that, you need another Michael Bradley to cover for your Michael Bradley that's playing up. And down the field. <laughs> right? so, it's true. <laughs> you have, you have your, your, your strikers are, you know... Yeah. Uh, Ayo Akinola, Josie Althor, even Pozuelo. Those guys are not guys who are built for pressing. The only one that's like really, really built for pressing on this team, like maybe two players. Patrick Mullins. Not even Pat- well, Patrick Mullins presses no matter what. But mm-hmm. Jacob Schaffelberg, because <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. he just like, yeah, he's just shot out of a cannon every time he takes the pitch. Maybe Richie Larea as well. Because Richie is, you know, we know how aggressive that he likes to play and he's he has the legs to sort of make up for that. Maybe sure. throw Ralph Preso into that mix. Uh, maybe Chris Mavinga. But everyone else, they're ball players. This is a team that really strived off keeping possession and taking the time to break oppositions down. Now, ideally, I think last season we saw the team get a little bit pragmatic, a little bit too predictable. Their decision making wasn't as sharp towards the end of the season. So ideally, you have that combination of both, where you can play vertical, but at the same time, you're also confident enough to keep the ball and stay in possession and then reset if you know things don't go your way. So there's that. But if that's not the solution, then the reality is this is a roster that, that needs to be overturned. Because... If Omar Gonzalez can no longer play that style of play, he can no longer play a high-pressing style of play. Ali Curtis is saying that he has a vision based on you know what he wants this club to play. If your players on the pitch are not being able to play that vision, then you're going to have to overturn the roster. And then, in my opinion, that should be a youth movement coming through the ranks because mm-hmm. this is a team that's honestly flooded with a lot of youth talent. There's a team that hasn't really given their youth talent the fairest of opportunities here. And, you know, there's an opportunity now, if things go wrong, to just go youth and with nothing to lose. We have nothing to lose. That's why I'm saying I want to see Rocco out there. I want to see Dunn out there. I want to see Noble back out there. (laughs) Now is the time, man. Like, it can't be better. It can't get worse. (laughs) It can't get worse than 7-1 to United. I don't think now is the time. But well, then when I, is it? When is it? When did these after guys? After we give these guys a run with a new coach. Okay. Right? Because this okay. is still a team that finished second in the MLS last season, was first with four games left to play. This is still a roster that is technically in win now mode. 
Michael Bradley's 33 years old. Omar Gonzalez upwards of 30 years old. Chris Mavinga is approaching 30 years old. Pozuelo's 30 years old. You want to throw Josie in the mix. Josie's 31. Ozo's sure, getting sure, up there sure. in age. This is a team that wants to win now. Did you? Did we watch the same game against DC? That's, that's okay, a team that wants are to we win all, a lot. <laughs> are we all agreeing that this TFC team isn't that DC United game? Like This is a team that's anymore. much better than that. I don't know anymore, man. But you're so you're not willing to give them another shot. No, I absolutely am. But 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 the but like this this you know uh uh this is a team that's in win now mode. I mean that sounds wonderful. But look at what I mean. Did you build like that too? (laughs) I mean, do you know what I mean in terms of age of players? And in terms well, yeah, of yeah, no, no, exactly yeah. on paper. That's but, where but, you're investing your money. You're investing your money into players who are supposed to help you win now. Okay, absolutely, absolutely. But but considering, you know, a lot a lot is up in the air over the next couple of games. And if we're still looking like the team that we were, um, regardless of an intern, regardless of the coaching, the new coach bump, uh, or anything, then I'm going to be a very strong proponent for. Trying everything. I mean, why not? Why the hell not? Honestly. Yeah, um, I mean, as Graham's saying, like competitive you need, minutes. Yeah, you kind of need to maximize the time that's left on like the contracts that you have. But yeah, there there comes a certain point where, you know, you say, okay, the season's a lost season. Now we have nothing to lose. Play the kids. That Play they're hundred percent gets to that point. But we're not at mm-hmm. that point yet. Like, like I said, no. we're not even third into the season. There's still a chance here that TFC goes on a run and salvages the season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. certainly helping that fact, of course, will be the, the news that uh, you've been reporting for about a month now, but it's, it slowly looks like it's becoming Broken on this now. show. Yeah, there you go. My uh, God, Mitch, the, you are you are God tier segues today. This is this is crazy. <laughs> this, no, go ahead. <laughs> this is what I do now. Yeah, um, I know. The, uh, the fact that fully vaccinated members of Toronto FC, sorry, Nick, uh, will be returning to Emo. Pardon? Uh, yeah, I, I did do we know? Do we actually joke. know for sure that he's that he's still staunchly? No, we, we don't. Okay, we don't know we for don't, sure. Yeah. But so, I mean, he took unfair. a really strong stance yeah. on it. That yeah, would take. Yeah, a, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. would. Uh, I'd be surprising if he took a turn. And honestly, that would that would bring up a lot more moral Mike issues. Mike Josie's <laughs> coming back, and we just fired a coach that has never set foot in BMO. It's all. It's all wacky now. Dude. Like, <laughs> maybe fair, he's yeah. manufacturing vaccines now. Like he read one article and he's like, "Oh my god, <laughs> I got to get behind this stuff." Uh, yeah, uh, but my, yeah. I mean, to be fair, Mike steals questions every week, so I can steal one or two of his jokes. Yeah, yeah, but, sure. I don't know what you're talking um, about. After sure. uh, after yeah. Wednesday's game, they'll actually be returning to to BMO training get, ground where they're able to to start training again. Which again, even that little bit has to be a massive boost to be able to see the families and and be able to be in more familiar climate. So that's that's going to be a nice mm-hmm. little morale boost for Toronto FC. But even bigger is that the club remains optimistic that their next home game, which is July 17th against Orlando City for the 12th millionth time, will be played not again at Exploria where, you know, they've had the awkward behind closed doors uh, friendly type feels, but mm-hmm. instead might actually be played at BMO Field. Um. Yeah, I mean that's incredibly exciting, and and I think something that we're we're all super hopeful will happen. And I think at this point, it it seems to to make sense. Yeah, it's something that the club is preparing for. Um, what I will say is that it's not official yet. 
Yeah, I, yeah. I think I think that bluster in the press conference was an attempt to sort of will it into existence, if we're being honest. But no, uh, for sure, definitely, yeah. definitely some PR behind that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's not like they haven't gotten the complete green light yet. That being said, it is looking that way. Mm-hmm. Um, from all I've heard, is it actually is looking that way that that TFC will get the green light for that match. But you never know. It's like they're working with stuff that's beyond their control. Right, if if it's up to TFC, they would have been there yesterday. They would have been there last yeah. month. They would have been there at the beginning of the season. But it's at the end of the day, it's it's not up to them. So I mean, they're running out of stadiums to to rent, right? Like they've already burnt the explore. They're like, we're never going back to Exploria ever. And, <laughs> yeah. Hart- and you know, Hartford is like, we don't want you. You you hate us. So they really are. They really are running out of uh, of places in the U.S. to to play in. Um, you know. What I will, what yeah. I'll add on that is that if TFC do return home to BMO Field, they're also planning to play in front of fans um, at obviously a limited capacity. I think twenty five, thirty five percent. I think regulations now just allow for twenty five, so maybe that's what they're preparing for. But no, it is. It's the closest that we've ever been to returning back home in front of fans there at BMO Field. Like last time I was at BMO Field. I mean, I've taken a couple walks there and just like checked out like outside the stadium just for, I don't know, nostalgia's sake. But the last time I was there, it was without any fans. It was in September. No, they were fans. Um, they just were at the food building making well, lots. I and think lots yeah, of one of the games. Yeah, I'm not sure. Oh if yeah, that's right. No, no, games, you didn't. Right? Yeah, you were there for all three. You lucky. Yeah. Lucky, lucky so guy. there were there were three games there, and let me tell you guys, like, it was great to be back at BMO. But it wasn't the same without fans. Because I wasn't it's, there. It's simply exactly. You wouldn't have Jeff there screaming at the top of his lungs, tarps mm-hmm. off, maybe. Like, I don't know what Jeff does during games, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's really exciting to hear about that prospect. We haven't been back to BMO with fans. BMO hasn't felt the same since March 7th, 2020. And that was obviously the, one of the most, like, let me tell you, the season was getting going. We had an exciting young prospect in Achara coming up. TFC mm-hmm. was looking like a really good team. They were beating New York City FC. Um, that was nobody, a magical nobody night. Knew, nobody knew what, what the hell COVID was. It was such a wonderful time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that, yeah. that night, Like there was so much momentum building from that night. And it just how special that season could have been. Having, you know, being played at home in front of that, those fans that were you know, everyone was starting to get into it. Everyone, I had people messaging me about Achara that did not even watch TFC. Because, like, there was a buzz going around the city that night. And I hope that we can get back to that as soon as possible. And hopefully that is July 17th. Um, If you have Josie Altero returning for Toronto FC on that game, too. Imagine the scenes. Yeah. yeah, Imagine the scenes there on the Lakeshore by BMO Field. Like, I get goosebumps just thinking about it. Um, and hopefully, you know, TFC get the, the the news that they're hoping for. They're really optimistic about it. Um, but let's let's wait and see, and let's hold off until we get like an official announcement that they're returning. But as I said, all signs are kind of pointing in that direction. That's and they do they do say thirty five percent capacity, but we all saw the Bell Center last night, right? Like, there's <laughs> no way that was thirty five hundred people. They're sneaking people in, so maybe we can get a bigger uh, bigger crowd than that. <laughs> Damn Man, right. Damn right. Outside the Bell Center, dude, just. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. I, 
yeah, I don't know if goosebumps is the right word. I kind of felt like well, nightmares. I mean, for you, nightmares. Yeah, <laughs> like honestly, like I'm. Uh, I feel like we. I hope we can get back to a place where, like, you know, one day we're comfortable being in that that mob, that crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, me personally, <laughs> I don't know if I'm there yet, where yeah. I can just go, you know, get back I, in the middle of that mob crowd. I yeah. thought it would take me longer, honestly, but you know, a couple beers. And I just want to on a patio. You just want to be tarps so. off with his friends. And- <laughs> <laughs> that, oh, yeah. It's a good show. Let's get guys. If you're not vaccinated yet, get double vaccinated. I'm, yeah. I'm getting my second shot tomorrow. Actually, my second nice, dose nice. tomorrow. So I'm, we're, I, last Wednesday. Last Wednesday. There you I go. Yeah, yeah. There you uh, go. So getting a little bit closer. Um, I see a lot of people asking about Nick DeLeon still. Mm-hmm. I will add what I've heard is that if you're not double vaccinated. I don't know if you're going to be able to play in away games. For I think different. he's got to stay in Exploria forever. But he well, gets, uh, he, he, he can come back. past to Epcot Center. So. Well, like, not using Nick Dillon as an example, let's just say people mm-hmm. who aren't vaccinated. Um, you, can come back, you can come back to Ontario, and mm-hmm. but you won't be able to travel for away games, is what I've, what I've heard. And you won't be able mm-hmm. to participate in those away games. So, you know, something to keep an eye on. Um, yep. Again, Nick Milan is also dealing with an injury right now, so that's why he hasn't played. I think since May 29th, as Corey Brady yeah, saying yeah, here in the bat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, so, he's been injured. He's got a knock. So, yeah, but that's the narrative nowadays, guys. That's what we have to mm-hmm. talk about. Are players vaccinated? Are they not vaccinated? Like, mm-hmm. just the times we're yep. living in, man. Yeah, yep. yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, yeah, it, it's going to be fun. I, I have some faith in this in this new guy. I, I like the cut of his jib. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always. Uh, what does that mean? I don't know. It's an old saying. If you anybody wants to, it, it is a that. thing. I can confirm yeah. it is a thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, just, I'm genuinely just asking what it means. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, the re- the real background is great. Uh, the fact that that he listed every formation that's ever existed on his website is pretty fantastic. Um, I, you know, he feels like he feels. He's just the kind of soccer nerd that I that I think we should we should have as a replacement for uh, the outgoing uh, the outgoing gaffer. I mean, maybe maybe he's going to overthink everything. Certainly, um, it, that's his purview because I mean I don't think he expected to 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 get uh, the keys to the car. But uh, if he's you know if someone's going to overthink something, I, I'd certainly like them to have the prerequisite of they they at least know the background of what they're going to overthink. So. Let's go. I mean, new coach bump as well, right? Any way you slice it, there's going to be a a, a a bit of positivity going in. I mean, I had a I had a question. That seven one loss, right? I mean, people are saying it. I I'm not inclined to believe it, but was that the team playing to get a coaching change? I don't think anyone plays to get a coaching change. Like, I don't okay. think. As a competitor, were they showing there? their displeasure? I mean, like I, Mavinga doesn't make tackles that week unless he's pissed off about something, or he's maybe he's maybe maybe his frustration boiling over. Maybe like I mean, when you're losing seven one, like mm-hmm. it's tough to stay in the match when you're getting beat no, like I, that, I, when you're getting scored like I that. Agree. A word going around, demoralizing, absolutely mm-hmm. demoralizing, being beat like that. I don't necessarily think any of the players went out there did it on purpose. 
Um, right. But I do. Like, I'm believe... sure they didn't get in the huddle and go, "Guys, let's get Armis fired. Let's do it." Let, like every. <laughs> but every... but yeah. I do believe that Armis this was on a... ten or Armis <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do believe this was a, a team that Chris Armis has lost the dressing room for a while. Um, okay. I've spoken to quite a few people, this players this year specifically, and they let's just put it that they weren't a hundred percent behind the ideas Chris Armis was putting out there. So I I know like there's already question marks about the coach itself. Mm-hmm. And then as I mentioned, like off the jump, like you can tell this was a team that was not willing to run through a wall for Chris Armis. As good of as a person he is, and I hate yeah. saying like I hate bashing that because like he is genuinely from every all accounts, even the players, they spoke in rave reviews about the type of person Chris Armis is. He's a genuinely good person. Um mm-hmm. But this wasn't a team that was willing to run through a wall for Chris Armis. It's so you funny how often that players, gets, but yeah, yeah, it's so funny how often that gets brought up. You know, running through a wall or or, or giving a hundred percent. It's it's amazing how important that is. It really is. It's something that I'm noticing that the deeper mm-hmm. I get into this, just how important that is. Right? Like, you know, you can in my in my world, you can definitely finish an edit if you're only willing to give sixty percent, and sometimes. You have to because if you get too attached to the material, you're you're just as screwed, right? Um, but uh, it's just interesting. It's it really does seem to be an all or nothing proposition here, right? Either you're willing to jump off a cliff for 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 the system, or you lose seven to one. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I think yeah. I, I think it's such an important part, especially over the course of a long season of of being a coach, is being able to motivate players, being able to to manage and, and, you know, uh, I, I guess talk through conflicts, ego situations. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much that comes up over the course of a season and, and, and being able to make every player on your roster. And this was a big thing that again, <laughs> the predecessor, Greg Vanny was always good at. And people mentioned this, like making every player on your roster feel like they were special. They knew their except role. Liam Frazier. Except Liam yeah. Frazier. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, mean there's, this, al- this there's is, always yeah. going to be exceptions to every okay. role for every. Yeah. 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 yeah it yeah, it yeah. just happens. Right. Like, like, everyone at the end of the day wants to be in that starting 11. So you're never going to mm-hmm. have it perfect, but I do. Very think, yeah. Yeah. Very good point. Very, very I do good think point. that that is crit or, or they should, or they shouldn't be on your team if they don't want to be in also the, the starting very, also 11. Also a good point. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I do think that that is an incredibly critical part of coaching. And obviously, you know, it's at some point over the, between the Leon games and, and the seven one Chris Armas greatly lost, uh, lost the dressing room and, and, you know, the, the player's motivation. Again, I don't think, Certainly, they went out there with the mentality to lose, but I do think it was a it was obviously an indication of how poorly things had gone for Toronto FC and how poorly everyone's mentality mm-hmm. was. From yeah, from top it wasn't to just one, two, three players. It was literally no. everyone on the pitch looking lost yes. and looking demotivated. Yeah, what are you guys? Yeah. What are you guys mm-hmm. expecting? I've seen a couple people in the chat ask this, so let me get this question out there. What are you guys expecting tomorrow against New England? This is mm-hmm. Eastern Conference leaders. What are your expectations heading into this match? Head or heart? <laughs> I Let's mean, both. I, again, I'm just hoping. I, I'm I'm hoping we see a, a tighter system out of them and and at least a strong defensive performance. I think you know if if say they lose one two nil or two one or something like that, but they actually do look much better defensively and and are able to play with more shape and and more sense. Like that is. That's that's a 
solid result for this team that I think they can build on going into that break. I think I think that's the the, the biggest thing is how they look versus again again we're talking so much about the importance of results, but um, I, I do think that at minimum they need to come out here and, and give a good account of themselves because otherwise you know it's it's going to be a long a long two weeks before we get back to <laughs> back to yeah. Action. I need to see. I need to see unity. I need to see mm-hmm. the stuff that I wasn't seeing, and it's difficult. It's difficult because now I'm reminded how often the Vanny system was possession, patience. Let one of your you know top line, top end talent do something magical, right? Which is mm-hmm. almost the opposite of the team unity that I'm looking for now, right? So if we revert back to a Vanny based system. I'm not going to see that unity I want, right? And if I, I'm going to see the feckless back passes that drove me crazy last season. So I, I I don't know. I don't know. As long as they don't capitulate and roll over and get trounced, you know, five to one or, or seven to one again, uh, which I think is a distinct possibility, um, I'll be happy. I'll be so happy. progress, the, the, essentially. Mm-hmm. Progress, essentially. Just to circle back um, to – to one more thing I wanted to raise, which is another thing that I realized is unbelievably important. Uh, media, media, comfort with the media. Uh, I know Armis was behind the eight ball uh, with, with the Zoom disconnect and the fact that he was following a guy in in, in the Greg Father that, that was very, very good at dealing with the media. But, oh my God, did Chris not make things easy for himself with the way he answered questions. Uh, the way he dodged topics, the you know, the way that uh, he tried to to be vague enough that that it w- that he was giving non answers. Right, there are ways to be vague, but still have people leave the room feeling like they they got something out of it. Right, mm-hmm. it's an art, um, and I, I I didn't realize how important it was until until we had to deal with this admittedly awful Arma situation where there was none of that face-to-face personal contact and so it just it, it just snowballed into into a monstrosity but oh my god how important is that i i you know i always knew it but i, I don't think i realized just how much um yeah so yeah. yeah well let's finish up by talking about a coach who is actually a great talker and that's john herdman that's that's what he's he's kind of the opposite example of you know the the very tactical coach i mean um, look, I do think yeah. John Herdman's better tactically than people give him credit for, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, the, his bread and butter is his ability to motivate and, and make this Canada team believe. And I think we're seeing that again on a gold cup roster that is very, very good. I mean, you have, you've convinced Alfonso Davies to, to somehow forego preseason with Bayern Munich and come in again, looking long-term there, there's some questions as to whether that's the best move for his career with a new coach coming in for Bayern, but it it shows the level of buy-in that that John Herdman's been able to to get with this roster, and I mean, again, he's he's been able to win another recruitment battle, and you've got Io Akinola coming in, who I think is a big boost for this Canada team, and who Jeff, I owe an a, apology a, to. A couple, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, I'll give you the floor, Jeff. Before <laughs> no, no, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Io, I'm sorry, I ever doubted you. Welcome, welcome to the to the Canadian men's national team. Uh, you know, uh, if you want to punch me in the arm, if we ever meet in person, I, uh, I'll get after you he gets freebie. his vaccine. Yeah, right yeah, after yeah I'll, give you, I'll get you one freebie. Uh, no, I've already had my my two, so ah, can't, okay. there's no dead arm. He he would have to create the dead arm. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, uh, do you think Fonzie? I mean, obviously, it's a good thing that he's on our roster, but do you think it might have been 
it might end up biting us when when World Cup qualification comes around? No, I think he's. I think they're I think all there for thing. World Cup qualifying. Yeah, yeah I unilaterally think, I think a good yeah. thing. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's a risk, okay. obviously. Like, if you're mm-hmm. going to play someone, there's a risk of them getting injured, if that's what you're referring to. It um, is, but it's also burnout, maybe. Just, like, you know, too mm-hmm. many games. Right? Yeah, and I think that's part of why another Canadian, um, you know, top player is probably not there yeah, um, yeah. for this Gold Cup. But I I think Alfonso Davies is at that age where he just wants to play soccer. And I, I think, you know, True. this this is good for – I think that they got the roster bang on for this because it's most of what the 11 will probably be for – those World Cup qualifiers starting in September. So they're going to get more time to gel together. I think it's probably most of the back line, which is the most incredible or the most uh, important part of this is, is yeah, that the yeah, back line yeah. comes together. But I like it because, yeah, it's most of that group. And then you've got some new guys you're taking a look at between IO, Tyler Pasher has been amazing for Houston. Yeah, you're so Former TFC him, Academy yeah. product, by the way. Yeah. yeah former yeah, TFC Academy product. That. Yeah, there's who your Sam winger I, right there. Yeah, like who who isn't a former yeah. TFC Academy product? But mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. And then uh, Harrison Patton as well is coming over from the SPL had a great year and is an exciting young midfielder there. So, yeah, I mean it's it's a good Canada group and again impressive that Herdman is able to to get all of these players to commit to a tournament like this. Um, you know, again, there's there's a clear vision for for Canada right now. The one and player vision, I'm yeah. really excited to see is Theo Theo Corbeno mm-hmm. because. Man, from all accounts, like I've heard, like he has, Ralph Preso told me that he has the the highest ceiling besides maybe, no, him and Jaquiel have the highest ceilings of players he's ever seen. Wow. Like this, he said, like from the age of like 14, 15, like he knew that, that Corbinu was going to go over to Europe and not just get a, get a gig, but he was going to be a starter. Like he, nice. this kid is that good. And he's shown more than flashes of it. Um, you know, this season so far with, with Wolves and Wolves Academy. Yeah. Um, when he but plays for Canada. Live was absolutely fabulous. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. When yeah. he plays for Canada, like, so the thing about him is like, he's, he's a pure attacker. Like he's a winger, right? He, he grew up as a winger. He, he understands how to break down a fullback, like a winger. The thing about Alfonso Davies, and we're all blown away by his ability to go forward. Bonzi's technically a fullback. So we've never seen a player as talented that's a pure winger come up through the ranks for Canada. And Junior Hoylet? <laughs> I was waiting for that. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> Even Junior Hoylet, like you can call him like a number 10 or a striker. Like a winger's different in terms of like their ability to take players on 1v1, their ability to kind of cut inside or go down the line with their pace. And, you know, he has this flair about him too that's that's like top-notch baller and i really do believe like the sky is the limit for that kid like i I think we're just scratching the surface with just how good he is and i think he's gonna be critical for this team you know in a couple of years so hopefully he gets some games under his belt at the gold cup and i want to see him see how he does because he's one i'm keeping an eye on yeah canada will have a good opportunity to 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 kind of rotate the squad i mean it starts on sunday against martinique you're going to have a game against either Haiti or Bermuda, who obviously Canada have both beaten in recent past. And then, of course, the, the big one against the United States that, that everyone has circled on their calendar. That's uh, to finish off the group stage. So you, you have a couple of opponents there that are, you know, 
solid enough, but you can probably rotate your squad a bit. So it'll be it'll be cool to see what Canada, you know, brings into the Martinique and, and one, Haiti Bermuda games. One last question before we wrap. Mm-hmm. I know we're running long, but one mm-hmm. last question. Who cares? I love talking to you. <laughs> where where does Iowa Canola fit in with this Canadian men's national team? I think he slots right into the J Dave role. Well, like what's exactly. a hypothetically J Dave's healthy. Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 post Gold Cup when they're both competing. Yeah. Uh I don't think he's a starter. And did no. he make the did he make the right decision? I think he made the right decision. Without your I heart mean, or without your with your like with your head or with your heart? With my with my head. I think I I think I'm not afraid of this US roster at the Gold Cup. I mean, let's circle back. No, to no, that. not even I think there's like a MLS lot of holes. Roster, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of holes in that roster. Um I, I'm not afraid of them at all. I think how can you I mean you look at his sto- you look at his personal story, right? And then you look at the state of the Canadian men's national team and you look at the guy that with the gaffer that we have, Herdman, who could sell who could sell you beachfront property in Idaho if you wanted to, right? I mean, the guy is pure salesman. Mm-hmm. And he's not but he's not selling snake oil. He's selling a dream that seems to be being realized in real time, right? How would you not want to be part of this? Seriously. How so would you that, not want to be part more, of this? That's more with your yeah. heart. Though. I'm talking from a football perspective. Like, is was playing he, was time, a, can he make the he most a, impact here for Canada, or could he make the most I, impact for the United States? Was he a starter, a guaranteed starter on either squad, though? I don't think so. But if you look at the depth at both sides, it's quite clear that Canada has a lot more, more depth. depth up front yeah. than, than yeah. I don't know if the United Canada States. has, again, I've kind of said this before, I don't know if Canada has more depth. I think it has more quality of depth, certainly. Like yes, I, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, yeah, obviously David and uh, and Laren are better than probably anyone in the U.S. has. It's, After that, I do think the U.S. has more players on Io's current level, so it'd be tricky just because th- there's. Is just Io more. ahead of Lucas Cavallini? It's close. Yeah, Is I, it? I'd say yes. It's, it's, say cl- it's a lot soon. closer than we'd like to. Than we'd, I would than say Lucas Cavallini, based on the way that he's been playing for Canada. Mm-hmm. How do you not give probably, him the leg yeah. up there? That, he scored fair, at yeah. will for this team. Yeah. And then you're going to take him yeah. out of the roster. He's a designated mm-hmm. player in Major League Soccer. Iowa Canola yeah. is not a designated player in Major League Soccer. Mm-hmm. Like he, I don't think he warrants a DP tag yet, even. Yeah. How how can we say he's he's an outright better player than Lucas Cavallini? Mm-hmm. Like no, I, but he's in the dialogue. To, what it comes he's, down to for me maybe is you just have the potential to have more special moments with Canada, if that makes sense. Like you've got your first ever home world cup with Canada, potentially coming in 2026, where you'll be at a great age. You'll be right in your prime. Um, that's something that you can obviously target your career towards and, and really work towards. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of like a carrot um, that you can work towards. You've got, um, you know, obviously the potential to qualify for world cup for the first time since 1986, you've got this program that, you know, has a bunch of new, like a, a new shine feel to it that I think maybe the U S doesn't quite yet. So I, I just think there's a, there's an opportunity for him to have, you know, really historic and special moments with Canada that maybe wouldn't exist with the U S program at the moment. Yeah. And like I said, like sure. I understand his decision. He grew up here, his family's here. Like he's mm-hmm. moved here at the age of one. Uh, we so all know Akinola's yeah. like backstory and like he like I said like as you know people are saying in the chat like this guy is Canadian like yeah. that's what that's what he, that, he identifies with and and, it, but, and there is a difference right there you know there the Canadian swagger and the American swagger are, are quite different from each other right yeah and, yeah um 
if that's what it comes just, down to, fair play. I'm just thinking strictly from like a football perspective. Mm. I I personally think Ayoakuola might have had a better shot with the U.S. in terms of playing and being a real impact player on that team than he does with Canada. But who wants to line up in a front two with Josh Sargent? No one. <laughs> not even Josh Sargent. So, I mean, and not, you know, like that's got it. It's like, it's like, well, Io, we'll start you, but you, you're starting next to Josh Sargent. And he's like, nah, I mm-hmm. think I'm going to play for Canada. Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. Keep, 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 keep Josh Sargent. I love it. Uh, I love it. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Do big things against them uh, in the gold Absolutely. cup. Back Absolutely. Up some of these words, but guys, I'm sure we could we could go on for another uh, another few hours. But we, we could wrap we it could. up there. Well, um, I mean, wrapping it up means our next episode is our is our one year anniversary, guys. So uh, that is true. Yeah, just, look, just forward that that. look forward to that. Look forward to that. We're working yeah. on a couple of things for for that uh, for that show. So hopefully, we can we can get those in place. Um, Thanks, as always, of course, to our, our Footy Talks crew who help us put this all together, Edwin, Kevin, Sophia. Huge thank you to all of you for listening and interacting. You guys always bring the the heat every week in the comments section. We love that and definitely appreciate it. And, you know, we've got some Gold Cup on the horizon as well and plenty more oh. to look forward to. So until Tuesday. Have Hold on, Mitch. Someone, someone's oh. calling out for the same injury report. Is it is it worth doing, Michael? <laughs> After I- show. <laughs> We have we I have something, but like all right, up to on, you guys. Hold on, hold on, oh, man. Hold on, hold on. No, we gotta let do me it. Get through my whole outro. I did. <laughs> I absolutely did. Just so you're gonna have to do it again. Here we go. Uh, it's the Michael Singh injury report. Such a snappy tune. Just for the clip, we're just doing that just for the clip. I'll go really quickly <laughs> here. Um, so Quinton Westberg is still out dealing with a hand injury. Um. Achara, he's back in training, but he's still out. Um, and Justin Morrow's questionable with a lower back injury. Other than that, this TFC team's healthy. Oh, international duty. Um, what I've heard is it's just Jonathan Osorio and Richie yeah, Larea, Richie, yeah, yeah, that's who have left well. for, for Canada camp, which means Iowa Canola, I think, is still in the mix for tomorrow's match. And the reason being for that is could be just how how much lack of depth TFC have up top. Um and no offense to Patrick Mullins, Dom Dwyer, but this is a team that needs goals right now, needs results, and Iowa Canola is just that important to this TFC team right now. Um, so perhaps that's the reason being, but keep an eye out for that. So other than that, Kamar Lawrence is still with the club. He mentioned that Jamaica wants him, but he he needs to, to find a way he to get He wanted to get a win game. first, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before, before yeah. departing for that Gold Cup, and then there's a yeah. 10-day layoff after tomorrow's match for that Gold Cup. So... I think those players will only miss perhaps maybe one more match as a result of the Gold Cup on the 18th against the States. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, that, that's it for the injury report. We can we can wrap up again. Go ahead, Mitch. Yeah, we, go ahead, Mitch. All right, that was fun. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Wait, I got to... Someone's got to play the, the closing guy. <laughs>